you've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and supporting the Black Man with a Gun Show. I'm your host, Reverend Ken Blanchard, and this week I want to make you think. Michael J. Woodland is going to share with us some interesting stuff about kids and firearm storage. I can't wait to hear what you're going to say about this episode. Here it comes now. Blackmanwithagun.com Ken Blanchard's Pro-Gun Podcast. This is your friend and brother from another mother, and I'm just so glad to be here. Life is like a camera, you know. You got to focus on what's important, capture the good ideas, develop from the negatives, and if things don't work out, take another shot. After John Wayne leads us in the Pledge of Allegiance, we're going to get on with the episode that I can't wait to see what you write about on Facebook and send me emails about later. Ready? Hit it, J-Dub. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Many, many years ago, like 1999, I had started a gun club called the 10th Cavalry Gun Club. And during that time, we were preparing for Y2K. Everybody was afraid that the world was going to end and the computers were going to die and everything was going to be off the grid. And I went and looked for elders, senior citizens that still hunted and prepared their own food and knew about canning and preserving and just some skill sets that had kind of got lost in our advancement. I ran upon a, a couple that were perfect. They had survived through a lot. The civil rights era, they were old school, this couple. They grew their own stuff. They canned. They were into firearms. So I actually showed them how to shoot a little bit better, gave them some tips of stuff they didn't know. And in exchange, they taught my group about food preservatives and canning and surviving in hostile environments. One of the tips that I learned from them was kind of related to now. We're talking about surviving in the cold. Do you know there's some preventive maintenance, some preventive measures that you can do to get yourself climatized to cold weather? During World War II, for example, when circumstances forced the German general staff to transfer the units stationed in France to the Russian front in the middle of winter, 50% of those people died of exposure before they even got to the fight. People think the Eskimos are special, got some special gift. Not so. What they have, though, is behavior learned through experience that enables them to survive, which means it can happen to you and me. You and I can get this experience, this knowledge to help us survive the cold. Now, I know you're not an Eskimo. They eat large quantities or quantities of walrus fat, and they know how to dress for warmth. You might not have a fur. You might just have a good jacket, a good coat. See, furs themselves do not warm the body. But what they do is they prevent it from cooling itself by creating an insulated layer of air 
between the skin and the clothes. See, once heated through body contact, this layer of air remains thermally stable, and the degree of stability depends on how tightly sealed the fur is or your coat is. The big word for today is acclimatization. Don't make me say it too many times, but basically, you want to be climatized. You see, a baby born in an igloo and moved to a temperate region within the first few days of its life will react to cold exactly like you would. There is no evidence of any natural selection for tolerance to cold. So we can all be Eskimos as long as we are subjected to the same conditions. To be acclimated to the cold is accomplished the same way as physical training through gradual intensification, regular exposure, willpower, and perseverance. There was a mountain climber back in 1986 who merely took a cold shower every morning starting in December to help him on his trip to the Himalayas. To prepare for survival in cold water, military doctors suggest a daily bath in cold water, lasting as long as one can tolerate. Within 15 days, the first signs of acclimatization will become evident. Yeah, sometimes I can say that word real good, sometimes I can't. Basically, you will be climatized eventually. And the length of the bath increases as tolerance increases. So you can pretty much check out when you're ready. The onset of shivering and pain in extremities is delayed when you do that. Your dexterity will improve, which that right there can save your life. Physical endurance exercises like swimming, cycling, or jogging are also good training for cold. Vigorous exercise undertaken in all kinds of weather involves precisely the same vascular constrictions and dilations that make survival in extreme cold possible. If you immerse your hands and feet in icy water in order to adapt the body's extremities to cold, it will do that. It's called vasomotor training, and you can do it at home. The fishermen in Canada who fish with their bare hands all year round in glacial waters do this. So in short, you can condition your body to extremes through the same way you do through physical fitness. You just have to do it step by step and in increments. Now, if you're sedentary, you can't do squat. Food-wise, if you want to go buy some stuff, carbohydrates, like four calories per gram, are easily digested in cold conditions. Proteins provide plenty of energy for the muscles, but only at the end of a long and complex metabolic chain. And don't forget to drink a lot of water when it's cold. The cold is going to do a whole bunch of stuff to your body. You're going to be sweating under your clothing. Your nasal discharge, you're running the nose. You're going to be going to the bathroom a lot because of the exertion and the stress. A lot of stuff happening on the inside. It's going to burn up the water that you have in your cells. And dehydration causes exhaustion and hyperthermia. So it's important to drink a long time before you feel thirsty when it's cold. I'm going to end that right there. But if there's anything that you um, want to get some clarification on, do a quick Google search on surviving cold weather. Any tips that you have, please feel free to share with me so I can pass this on to our community. 
So especially if you have to work outside um, for a long period of time and you know it's coming and the cold weather is already here, already here in some places, try to condition yourself to make it to make yourself a little bit tougher to be outside. And this is all um, a no brainer for some. But for those who are new to the outdoors, new to trying to survive outside of uh, Walmart and urban environments. Take a study on just some survival stuff for cold weather. You'll learn some stuff and it might even save your life. I may have mumbled over some stuff like acclimatization and I might have stumbled on some other things, but the thing is you want to work on yourself. Just like you do for physical fitness. You have to work on yourself to be in, to, to endure what's coming. Speaking of what's coming, I want to Use the theater of the mind and get you ready for the negatives that can happen if you have to protect your family in a threatful situation. The following program is intended for mature audiences. Now, I usually throw this up when I'm about to put something that might scare younger people. No curse words or anything, just some stuff to make you think. All right, you ready for it? Here we go. This portion of the show has been brought to you by the United States Concealed Carry Association. The USCCA has been providing education, training, and self-defense insurance to responsibly armed Americans since 2003. Join Tim Schmidt and myself here at usconcealedcarry.com. Happy New Year. It's 2017 and across the country. You can carry concealed in almost all the states that have shall issue. There it is. We still have Maine and Connecticut, New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, D.C., New York City, and California. And there's tons of little spots like American Samoa and places, mostly Puerto Rico, mostly where people of color are, that those rights are still denied. Have you heard about Chicago? The year ended with at least 780 homicides, 762 by the Chicago police method of counting. In Chicago, according to Chicago Sun-Times records, another 12 people died in 2016 of injuries suffered in shootings or assaults in prior years, and another 11 were killed by police officers. That was the highest total in more than 20 years. And on the first day of 2017, saw another three fatal shootings, including two men who apparently shot each other on the north side. The violence of Chicago is because of the gang warfare and the young people. The violence perpetrated by young people is at an epidemic level. But as a concealed carry person, it's not always for you to stand your ground and fight. Sometimes you have to run. Sometimes you have to take your child and your wife and your children and those around you and boogie. Get out of harm's way. It's a different mindset than military. Different mindset than law enforcement. You're not to engage the enemy. You're to protect, cover, keep safe. 
in this growing society that seems to have lost its sense. You, my friend, may be the only rational person around. And your tactic won't be because of the firearm that you carry, the holster that you have, the training that you received. It's going to be about your senses, about your common sense, about your will to survive and to protect all those in your charge who all of a sudden may not know you to be the savior that you are. I want to put something into your head. Just a reminder of how important you are as an armed citizen. Say you're going to the mall. You're taking your kids, maybe your neighbors. Maybe you're just on daddy duty that week. Or mama duty. Mama's always on duty. And you're at the mall, you know. The busy mall with all us onlookers and strange people. Now, I know as an armed person, as a person who's always in condition yellow or orange, ready for whatever might go down. You've checked out a few exits. You've looked at a few people. They looked a little strange and you're keeping your folks safe and you're watching everybody's purses and bags and you're doing a security thing as all we always do. But it's more than that. Because in the minute, in the seconds, after the trouble begins, you alone have to keep a clear head. You alone have to gather your troops, your squad, your team, your family, these little kids, and take them to safety. Do you have a plan? How do you communicate? How do you get everybody back? Or how do you move when it goes down? I know you've been trained. I know you know gun safety. I know you know where the best place is to stop a violent attacker. I know you know. But are you ready to handle the mayhem? The people? To take care of what needs to be taken care of? Like a Secret Service agent, you're going to have to grab your, your people, your presidential person, your VIPs. Sometimes they're not even related to you. They're just with you at the time and make a move to safety. Doesn't even involve drawing your firearm. It just needs a clear head. I illustrate all of this, my friend, to help you think. Because you are the first responder. You're my people. I'm praying this never happens to you. You've probably heard this already, but police in Chicago have charged four black teenagers with hate crimes over the kidnap and torture of a mentally ill white man who they abused while filming themselves shouting anti-Trump slogans on Facebook. The two men and two women were detained this past Tuesday after a series of Facebook videos went viral. 
Jordan Hill and Tesfaye Cooper, both 18, were charged alongside Brittany Covington, 28, and 24-year-old Tanisha Covington. All four are expected to appear for a bail hearing on Friday and face charges of aggravated kidnapping, hate crime, aggravated unlawful restraint, and aggravated battery with a deadly weapon. Mr. Hill also faces charges of robbery, residential burglary, and a possession of a stolen motor vehicle. Mr. Cooper and Brittany Covington are also charged with residential burglary. In the video, the 18-year-old victim is seen cowering in a corner, bowed and gagged while his attackers slash his hair, cutting his scalp and ripping his clothes. In one of them, a woman's Facebook page, the victim is threatened with a knife. Someone tells the victim, kiss the floor, B, and nobody can help you anymore. At one point, somebody tells the man to say, I love black people. Another one, time to yell, F Trump. The victim was reported missing by his parents on New Year's Eve, and it's believed to be have been held by the group for at least 24 hours. It is also claimed that the four allegedly stole a car from a suburb in Chicago called Streamwood, where the man was reported to be missing from, and took their victim to an apartment on the west side of the city. Streamwood police said that during their investigation into the missing person, his parents started receiving text messages from persons claiming to be holding him captive. On Tuesday evening, police in the west side came across the victim wandering the streets in obvious distress, wearing shorts despite the freezing cold. They saw clearly that this individual was in distress and that he was in crisis, and they cared enough to do something about it, said Captain Seso of Harrison District. A little while later, they were called to a fight in progress about half a block away from where the victim was picked up, and at the scene, they discovered signs of a struggle and damage to property and were able to link this evidence to the disoriented male, according to the statement from police. There is a sickness in our community. There is an illness of the mind and the spirit among young people, under 30 it seems. And at the same time this is happening is also a fever or a, a need for folks to amplify it, to show it in its worst form, because it can't get any worse than it is. Amplify the negatives. Make commentary. Inflame it. Throw more gas on the fire. This was demonic. It was evil. I believe that our judicial system should do everything they can to put these people away for life. There's also a growing number of people who will use this to their benefit. That's also wrong. They'll use it to fan the flames of fear and hate. They'll use it to sell guns. They'll use it to take away guns. They'll use it to any way they can. Wrong is wrong and right is right. I'm asking you to make sure you temper and taper what you say and do post. Even if you agree, sometimes the best thing to do is not to say anything. Don't give the devil a ride. Because like the song says, if you give the devil a ride, he's going to want to drive. A couple of weeks ago, uh, United Kingdom paper, I think the BBC, printed something that said that uh, because of President-elect Donald Trump's election win, that 
more people of color, more liberals were buying guns for the first time. That's a nice spin. But it makes it seem as if the world, our world, is gearing up for a race war. It's a subtle move. For those who don't know, it makes you think, oh man, I better get mine now. But the fact is, it has nothing to do with Donald Trump. Unless you make it that way. The fact that these idiots, these, these negative, rotten kids kidnapped and hurt somebody and used Trump's name in it can stir up some people. Be careful who manipulates you. Be careful how many buttons get pushed on you. They're doing it every day. Make sure that you're still with a level head. I'm not trying to be all Pollyanna on you. I'm not trying to make it seem like everything is roses and peach buds. I'm just here to remind you that we are not given a good life or a bad life. We're just given life. And it's up to you to make it good or bad. Next up is my friend, Michael, with some tips about kids and guns. This portion of the show is sponsored by CrossbreedHolsters.com. Crossbreed Holsters has gained national recognition as a maker of the best and most functional concealment holsters available on the market today. Each holster is handcrafted to ensure your firearm is safe and secure while carrying, combined with the best customer service in the industry. Visit CrossbreedHolsters.com. Take it away, Michael. Thank you, Ken, and welcome to another Tips and Review segment. I am Michael Woodland of M-WTactical.com, and today we're going to discuss kids and storage of your firearms. Earlier this week, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, and the topic of storage for your firearms and kids came up. I already knew where this conversation was going, so I let my friend go on about what she read in a magazine article about the death rate associated with children and firearms. I'm glad this did not turn into a heated debate, but I did see her passion, and she was listening with an attentive ear and understood where I was coming from like I knew where she was coming from. First, Storage of your firearms is very important to any household, especially if you have children who are in the same environment. Being responsible with that same firearm will lead to days of laughter and fun later on down the road. First and foremost, I recommend that everyone has some form of a safe where you can store your firearms and keep them away from kids. These safes vary in prices and some good quality safes are not in the $2,000 plus price range. There are other alternatives for those who cannot afford a decent safe. If you purchase your firearm brand new, there will be a locking device of some sort that comes with it. This device will resemble a lock with a long metal cord on it. This cord is to go through the chamber and out the barrel, connecting with the lock for the handguns. The same concept is applied to rifles being the cord will go through the magazine well through the chamber and connect with the lock. This is enough to make the firearm non-active and is within regulations of the law. Another form of making the firearm inactive is to put a trigger lock on the firearm. With this type of lock, 
you will need a key to remove this device, just like the previous lock we discussed to make any firearm operational. Even with any form of lock you choose to employ, make sure you put the firearm out of reach of children who are underage. For those who have children in the household with firearms, make sure you sit down and talk with your little ones about firearms you own. They will need to clearly understand that these tools are not toys and should be respected. Tune in next week as we tackle another area of marksmanship for another tips and review segment. Thank you for all those who follow and support the M-W Tactical Facebook page. If you haven't done so, look us up on Facebook and hit the like button and join in on the many discussions that are taking place. If you are more into photos, follow me on Instagram at mjwoodland where you can get an up-close and personal involvement of my daily life and involvement at a shooting range. If you would like to read more about us, do so by going to www.m-wtactical.com, where you can easily connect with us on any of the previously mentioned social platforms while looking at pictures, viewing future classes, ordering products, emailing us, or even listening to the current week of the Black Man with the Gun podcast. For those who want a more direct approach, just call us at 803-250-1256 and let's discuss whatever is on your mind from shooting classes or just inviting us to come to your upcoming event. Until next week, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun. Back to you, Ken. Yeah, have some fun, doggone it. Thanks, Michael. Hey, this week I want to give a shout out to the Outdoor Podcast channel. And they have a bunch of podcasts over there to talk about the outdoors. You got Back at the Lodge, Big Buck Registry, Bo Divas, Bo Dudes, Fish Nerds, Hunt Fish Travel Podcast, Take Aim Podcast, The Turkey Hunter Podcast, Up North Journal, and Where to Hunt Podcast. All found at OutdoorPodcastChannel.com. And while you're looking and writing those down, don't forget you can always go to the show notes at BlackManWithTheGun.com for this episode, 504, and I will put that link there so you can just click on it and bam, you're right there. Also, don't forget my ladies at uh, the women's gun show.com. That's right. They are both uh, mega personalities from the well-armed woman and women's outdoor news, respectively. All right. Next up, I want to share an interview that I had with a hunter, and I'm trying to include um, at least one hunter story or one contribution from somebody from the outdoors as much as I can because they're also a part of blackmanwiththegun.com world. This guy sent me a photo of him harvesting a uh, couple of blacktail deer out of the Pacific Northwest. And uh, you got you to just check out this photo. It will be on blackmanwiththegun.com when I post it. So here I am, or here we go, with Dana and I talking a little modern sporting rifle and a little hunting here in 2017. All right, this week I got a chance to talk to a brother um, from the West Coast, and he is a hunter. And what really blew my mind was that he took down um, some game with a modern sporting rifle. And I want to hear all about that and his build and his past as it relates to hunting and the shooting sports. Dana, welcome to the show, man. 
Hey, thanks for having me, Ken. Explain the picture, man, that you sent to me. All right. Well, uh, I sent a couple pictures I sent to you there. The um, the I think the one you're probably most interested in was a picture of me with a black-tailed deer and a AR. The uh, the six six point eight SPC AR that I took that uh, deer with was something that I kind of conceived in my head that I wanted to do because. I wanted a semi-automatic hunting rifle, and I have a friend uh, who lives about a couple hours here from me, from me, and he's been basically one of my hunting mentors. Him and a couple people reached out to me when I was asking questions about uh, hunting on a local forum or in, uh, for the state here, a local gun forum, and he suggested 6.8 SPC. And since I had been dabbling with you know, 80% lowers, I decided, well, I'm going to make myself a 6.8 SPC and yeah, decided I wanted an OCP Duracoat pattern on there. So I got the materials for that and sprayed it up myself. He taught me to reload and he actually took me on that hunt as well. Took me on some property that he has access to. And sure enough, there it was, uh, spent the day hunting and found my quarry and took it. Nice. So that was my second, my second deer. The Remington Special Purpose Cartridge is that SPC thing. Um, yes. The the round was developed by the Army, I believe, by their marksmanship unit. And how does that differ from, like, the regular 5.56? Well, the 6.8, so it's a 6.8 millimeter. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can say 6.8 millimeter or you got 5.56 five, millimeter. Mm. Um, so the projectile is a little bit bigger. Uh, my particular, uh, projectile, I use 95 grain Barnes TTSX projectiles with my 6.8 SPC Hmm. and they, they do the job pretty well. Um, they are moving at about 2,600 feet per second from the muzzle Boom. and yeah, they, they hold a very good group. I'm getting less than one inch groups from a sand, rest of sandbags at 200 yards. So um, I'm very, 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 very pleased with that. They don't fit in 5.56 five, mags normally. Uh, I've, I've read of people making them fit, but when I load mine, they are at uh, 2.30 inches overall length. And it's it's a little bit long for... Uh, some AR mags and some people can make it fit, but I use 6.8 SPC magazines specifically just to keep all the funny business out of it. Plus mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're readily available. So why, why take a risk when you're making something that you are trying to put money, uh, no, <laughs> yeah. sorry, money, money, <laughs> basically put money on the table. Cause it's, it's meat. You mm-hmm. put meat on the table and there's just no, uh, you know, this is, it's it's not a it's not a leisure thing for me. It's a, it's a thing of life for me. You know, it's hunting is hard work, and I uh, I take great pride in what I do. So it's uh, yeah, no funny business with those magazines. Oh, cool man. But yeah, it, yeah. It's it's six six point eight is interesting. It, it it requires a different bolt as well. Mm-hmm. The uh, some people will machine out a bolt to fit the cartridge. 
but uh, people have gotten to the point now where they just go buy a specially made bolt because they right. aren't machining out the bolt face. They just get one with a proper thickness. So yeah, that's a little bit about the 6.8 that I know. So as soon as you said black-tailed deer, that just told us that uh, the deer is from the Pacific Northwest. It's not uh, East Coast whitetail. What's, what size was the one you got? Ooh, I see the size. He he wasn't that he wasn't very uh mature. He was a, a spike. Uh-huh. Um the spikes are probably only about I'd say three to four inches long. I don't uh-huh. have the uh the, the head here in front of me. He's uh still getting prepared for a European mount. Oh nice. But yeah, yeah, I'm looking looking forward to that. Uh size wise, I would say if I were to dress out his hide because uh-huh. uh, I didn't get an actual weight on it. Okay. I would say the hide would probably, without the, uh, without the neck, would probably go from the top of my head down to my ankles, and I'm about six foot tall. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, because uh, he's he's bigger than the deer I got last year, and uh, which was also a buck, but he was just had smaller spikes, and his hide went from about the, the bottom of my neck down to my ankles. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. how how did you? I'm sorry. Go ahead, buddy. I'm sorry. Oh, I was, just, I was I was still thinking about the weight. The I probably got about sixty pounds of grind just out of that deer, plus whatever uh, steaks we cut too. So that might kind of give an indication because yeah, we didn't we didn't bother weighing them. Right, right. How'd you how'd you get from your grandfather's kind of shotgun to I mean firearm to using modern sporting rifle? What made you want to just update that whole thing? Well. When I started hunting, which is when I lived in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and um, I was hunting over in the Pearl River area, the only thing you could take over there for deer was a shotgun. Right. And I believe it was slugs. Yeah, mm-hmm. you had to have slugs, minimum 20 gauge. And there weren't many places that I went in that area such as like when I went to Jean Lafitte to hunt deer that you could, you couldn't hunt, take a rifle there either. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, hunting's kind of like fishing. You can fish all day, and not catch anything. You can sure. hunt for a whole season and not shoot anything. So I never actually took any, uh, big game while I was there. Mm. The only thing I shot there was a rabbit, but I, you know, my next stop in life was up here in Seattle and, you know, I never really had an inkling for muzzleloader or archery too much maybe in the future but mm-hmm. out here you know people use all type of methods just like they do in any other state mm-hmm. but i didn't have a shotgun anymore uh, my home got robbed and burglarized here uh, about two years ago and so actually a grandpa shotgun was one of the ones i got stolen wow so i had to you know re had yeah, that's a whole other story, but I had to, you know, had to get new arms. And when it came time to, you know, I was like, okay, I've gone through this tribulation. Um, got to move, got to keep moving forward. And, um, things are kind of settling down here and like, I'm ready to, I'm ready to hunt. So I started asking questions about, you know, what can I use? Most of the game management units here allow you to hunt with any method mm-hmm. as long as you are, have that tag and you are in that season and, you know, I like rifles. 
So I started asking around, you know, as what's normally a lot of people say, 308 can get you a lot of places. So there I was. I, I found a, a what, what, what did it used to be? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It used to be a Savage 10 Scout. It became something completely different. Uh, it's no longer a Scout, but uh, I bought a, a Savage, an older Savage 10 without the Aki stock or Aki trigger and ordered it through Gunbroker, got it delivered to my FFL here, and had it transferred to me. And, yeah, just got started with this bolt-action Savage because it was under 400 bucks. I needed something that was going to be accurate and take game. And, hey, that's that's what it did. It's, it's done it twice. It took a deer uh, last year, and it took an elk as well. Oh, you've done the elk thing. Oh, yeah, that's what's in the... Um, the uh picture. the other picture that yeah, I yeah 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 with the bigger spikes this is year the year of the spikes for me <laughs> oh cool bug cool. and elk nice so how'd you get into hunting what 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 changed you from like the normal the normal guy let's see i remember i was living outside of chicago at the time and i don't know what came over me during that time but there was, there was this, uh, it was just a weird time of life. I'm originally from Florida. And so when you live up in Chicago, it's completely different. And the kind of the, the, the grind of, you know, getting up at four o'clock in the morning to get on the train in time so I could get downtown before eight o'clock to be at work and trudging through the snow. You don't do that in Florida normally. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, came upon me that, man, you got to go through a lot to get what you want by some time. And it's like, you know, one of the things that we don't normally do is go through a lot to put food on the table. We know we all work to buy groceries. And I'd say, this is kind of backwards. I want to start going the other way. I want to work just for the food. And so I started getting interested in it and started, you know, devouring everything I could on the internet. And I took the hunter safety course while I was living up there and uh, probably didn't hunt until I actually moved to new Orleans, probably about two years later and just kept going and going. And that's kind of what got started. It wasn't until I got here. And like I was, as I was saying before, a friend of mine just said, Hey, why don't y'all come, why don't you come out here with us? We'll show you what's going on up here in Washington state. And, uh, you know, they kind of said, you know, we're always here for you. You know, do your, do your thing. And I went to town and they were there for me every step of the way. Nice. The gun community never ceases to amaze me. There's always just the coolest people in this circle that nobody gives us credit for. Yep. You got that. It, it's, it's kind of like, uh, how do you, man, I don't even know the words are to use sometimes. They, they'll, they'll surprise you. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely surprise you. So now you got something to put in the, in the, in the, on the deep freeze and, uh, mm-hmm. what you got planned for next? What's your next big move? Oh, the next big move, uh, with hunting or are you talking about life in general? Hey, we can do them both. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, you, you know, well, you've you know, been around the country already, about three states you done named. I was like, dang, you're going to get some uh, Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I I work in the events industry, and 
uh, I kind of wanted to see everything. My parents made sure they took me everywhere they went. So uh, they wanted to make sure I, I knew there were other people and cultures around. And I said, you know, I think I'm going to keep seeing some of that and follow the money while I'm at it a little bit too. And my dad told me that if you want to move up, you got to move around. And I've been moving around, just like you said. But eventually we're going to just head back south. Because I'll tell you what, I'm in Seattle right now, and there's been snow on the ground for a week. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I can't believe it. We woke up New Year's Day, and there's still snow on the ground. Like This is crazy. But uh, next big move in life, we are literally actually going to move. Um, my girl and I are buying a house, so we're going to move over to Tacoma. But uh, next big hunting move, maybe go coyote hunting in a week or two here when there's a full moon and maybe the temperatures rise up a little bit because it's, it's pretty cold out here, uh, at least for me. I mean, normally you associate hunting with pretty cold weather. A lot of people do, unless you're right. early archery season. The guys right. up here might be in shorts and a t-shirt hunting during early archery season. But the next big move in life will be once we get this move completed, I'm going to apply for a uh, well business license with the city and uh, gunsmithing FFL. One of the things that I would like to do is open up a, a business for firearm refinishing and eventually gunsmithing. Oh, I've been cool. getting a lot of, yeah, yeah. I've been getting a lot of feedback from some guys up here on one of the forums that I frequent, um, which is a uh, Washington gun Owner association, uh, not association. This is wall guns is the, is the form. Uh-huh. And they've been giving me feedback on my Duracoat work. And, you know, I, I was telling you, I Duracoated that 6.8 SPC, and, you know, it survived the hunting season just fine. I think what most people don't understand that, no matter if it's Duracoat, Cerakote, or whatever it is, it's a coating. You know, those things can rub and scratch off eventually. But, yeah, I'm taking a Bob Rogers pistol smithing class in June over in Idaho. He's a 1911 master pistol smith, and I, I got pretty excited about that about a year ago, uh, learning to do pistol smithing. My grandfather passed away a couple falls ago, and he left all his grandkids uh, a little money, and I wanted to make sure I invested his money properly and did something right with it, and you know, put it into my future, my girl's future, my family's future. So. That's the plan. Eventually, have something like that where I can do that and work for myself, and probably keep my full time job as well. Because it's uh, it, it's it's just the right thing to do. Grandpa took care of everybody, and I want to make sure he he gets honored properly with his hard work. Is you know, I didn't work for that money. He just he did freely gave it away all his life to us. So yeah, that's that's the plan. So hopefully, in the next year or two, I will be you know at least open for business and refinishing as I continue to work on some of those pistol smithing skills. I'll tell you what, man, I, working on 1911s, I made a couple last year, uh-huh. bought a mill and a bunch of tools, and I machined out a couple of 80% receivers and hand-fit all the parts and everything. There's a reason why people really love those 1911s, because once you go to building a big machine like that, uh-huh. and it, it just kind of, <laughs> it's kind of like, 
you know, I feel I'm, I'm building like a, a low end sports car, but man, going from that between like my girl's, uh, shield nine millimeter, uh-huh. it's like night and day or going between that and my Glock, it's night and day. And it's not like building a night, uh, AR, ARs are more like Legos. They're, they're great and they're fun, but man, you, you mess up and take off a few extra thousands in one spot and, uh, on a nine, 1911 and don't realize it. Those stacking tolerances just add up, man. You can you can really mess up your day. <laughs> oh wow, that's cool. Yeah, those, yeah. Man, I just I just learned a lot from you just in a few minutes. One, I like the heck out of you talking about your grandfather and uh, keeping that legacy going and and wanting to do something in this community. That's and it's artistic too. I, I dig that a lot. Oh, thank you. Are you an artistic guy or a musician or anything? Uh, there was a time I spent as, as a musician many, many years ago, but eventually I learned that every time I went to a venue in Jacksonville, there was the same guy running sound as there was, uh, you know, you go see all these different bands all over town, but there's the same guys always running sound. I said, man, we're not making no money doing this band stuff. <laughs> I'm gonna learn yeah. how to do what that guy does. Yeah, the board yeah, operator um, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I got into uh, making other people look and sound good. Oh wow! So I started I started doing that because it was yeah I just I wasn't making enough money I couldn't read music and yeah so I, I do a little do a little dabble on that and you know as as I'm progressing with this airbrush skills it's uh you know I kind of feel like I'm an artist at times because I'm trying to make something. You know, I want him something I can be proud of. Absolutely, absolutely. Wow, you got me stumped now because I'm trying to think. Hmm, that's all right. What would be good, man, for um, for somebody just starting to this into this thing and just their first hunt or they're thinking about hunting? What would you tell them to do? Well, the normally for what's mo- what's required for most people is to have complete hunter safety education. And it might be called something different depending on what state you're living in. Uh, at least here in Washington, and this applies for most most other states as well, all every state's laws, but if you're born after January 1st, 1972, you got to take hunter's ed. So you can go to pretty much every state has some kind of wildlife and fishery website. You can go there. You can probably download the hunting regulations got to read those also on that website i most likely have the hunter education dates and how to register for the class and whatnot and depending on what state you're in it may be a little cost it may be free and when i took it in illinois it was free and there'd be field field skill evaluations uh, i also I'll also suggest you know Go to go to the shooting range, gun shops, and probably ask some folks around there because you can't always find hunters at a gun shop, but you're going to eventually find some hunters at a gun shop, and you go go from there. Find a forum online somewhere for your area that is involved with hunters or has firearm folks, and they'll at least share knowledge with you. They might not invite you on a hunt because you don't always want to t- give up your spots to everybody, you know, but eventually you will find some people that are definitely 
going to reach out to you, I would say. Because uh, once I tell you what, the, the best of humanity is out is out in the hunting lands. You can find the worst of humanity out there too. But for me, I found the best of humanity and completely forgot there was this whole racial construct thing when I was out there at elk season. And I've seen, seen white dudes, black mm-hmm. dudes, Latinos, and nobody cared about any of that kind of stuff. All we cared about was getting elk on the ground. I've had grown men that I didn't even know hugging me because they knew that was my first elk. They they passed by my camp and saw I got my first elk, jump out their truck, come down and hug me. And <laughs> say, man, you did a great, yeah. <laughs> that's cool, man. That doesn't, that doesn't happen on the street, but. No, no. Yeah, that's, that's. No, that's yeah. It was it was it was a wonderful thing. So yeah, that's I would suggest getting started like that and, and be safe out there in the woods. Be sure of your game identification. You don't want to shoot the wrong thing, even if you're hunting in a season that doesn't require that hunter orange. I highly suggest wearing that hunter orange because if you haven't been out in the field and seen hunter orange, you'd be surprised how that just pops right off of that. Off, off that foliage and all that camo that you're wearing, it just, you can't miss it. I mean, a thousand yards away, you just see this orange speck and you're like, there's a hunter. Can't miss it. You know, keep you from getting shot at because you might be downrange. Good stuff. Kind of how it is out there on public land. You're probably downrange of somebody. Hmm. Talking about the, the race thing, man, what happened to us? Why so much hate right now? So much anger. You know, <laughs> I don't know, Ken. I, I, it. I think it's because we haven't decided to pull up our bootstraps and do for ourselves. We've been taught that. I know it, it, it's, it, it's, it's heavy. Way back before it's my heavy. time. Yeah, it's, it's heavy. It's it a heavy question. Before dude. my time. Yeah, I'm 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 biracial. Mm-hmm. I consider my I'm biracial. I consider myself black. My mom is black. My dad is white. My dad never taught me any of this racial construct stuff. But you know, I, I guess you could say I'm kind of conditioned from over the years, especially from being in the South. I don't get pulled over. If I get pulled over, written up for a ticket, the the few times that I have, they never put that I'm white. They put that I'm black. Well, maybe that's got. But you know, some. I think there's a lot of anger because partially because we are at a point where there is a lot more ability to tell the truth. You know, we don't have to go out on the street corner. We, even the recluse people are getting the truth because they're sitting there staring at a computer. True. Um, even uh, like an example up here would be I was taking an Uber uh, across town. Uh, a few weeks ago and uh the driver that picked me up was black and we we're talking and i don't know how it came up i said well yeah man i hunt i'm a hunter and such and such and he says oh man black people don't do that I oh said, I, ha- I hate that i hate that yeah <laughs> i hate when they tell me what i can't do yeah. or what black people don't do oh that drives me nuts oh yeah yeah he said i said i said that's part of the problem and man, his face just changed. He didn't like that. Like I said, man, that's part of the problem. Like it, like we, like we, majority of we 
you know, haven't had that as a, as a tradition or a practice or something that we've taken on. And it's not just black folks, it's white people too, but you know, they don't, you don't normally hear people saying, yeah, that's hunting. That's something white people don't do. They don't, they don't say that normally. Um, but yeah, he, man, uh, between that and some other things that ended up coming up, man, he missed a couple of my stops. I'm like, Oh, what happened? You told somebody (laughs) the truth. He messed him up. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, how did you miss both of those exits? I mean, you're from here. You know exactly where the football stadium is. And that's where I was heading toward. You can't miss it. (laughs) You can see it from space. His his mind was spinning, man. He was like in a different zone. Yeah. That's yeah. You know, uh, yeah. People can't always, uh, handle the truth, whether it be, uh, Jack Nicholson or, uh, Lawrence Fishburne telling you the truth. <laughs> I know, right? Take the red pill, the blue pill. Yeah. Wake up. Man. Yeah. Wake yeah. up. Right. That, that's all right. Well, I ain't gonna hold you much longer, but I'm gonna definitely call you a lot because <laughs> I, hey, I, 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 I want I want learn from you, man. Go okay. Check, yeah. Check Are you check, you gonna get out there and hunt? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No, wonderful. We might, we might have to make that connection, man, because I've got a I've got a. I've got a camp uh, that I put together. Uh, we we went all out this year and got a wall tent and everything. So, yeah, think Say about uh, think about elk season sometime. Oh, I'm putting it on the schedule now. There you go. In Washington State. Yeah. Okay. It's gonna happen then. All right. It's gonna happen then. Well, Dana, thank you, man. Thank you so much for for sharing. And uh, I'm looking forward. I'm going to post these pictures on this episode so folks can see what I'm talking right. about. And uh, appreciate yes, you, brother. Sure. Appreciate you so much. Oh, you're welcome. All right. I think that's going to be it for this week. Remember that we are not given a good life or a bad life. We're just given life. And it's up to you to make it good or bad. A good life is when you smile often, dream big, laugh a lot, and realize how blessed you are for what you have. Just in case nobody has told you this today, I love you, and there's not a darn thing you can do about it. Tell somebody about the Black Man with a Gun Show. We have an app, and you can find it at iTunes for free at blackmanwithagun.org. Until next week. Shalom, baby. Until next time, friends. To keep in touch with Ken and his cause, head over to blackmanwithagun.com. 